I guess I'd buy that for a dollar? Daily. Why are you so... Robophobic? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs>
again, because I think so highly of the original, I was expecting a fun train wreck that I could get to mock for the next couple of years. Okay, yeah. And I'm disappointed because I didn't get that. That's Not, not at all. Okay, yeah, no, and that's the thing. There's really very little... There's, it, it's not a movie that deserves, you know, your righteous anger and scorn. Nope. Uh, where you can say, no, oh, the original is amazing and they have desecrated the memory of a fantastic film. Yep. It really, it doesn't, no. it doesn't live up to that at nope. all. Not at all. Um, but yeah, it's also certainly not, uh, you know, terrible in a sort of stupendous way where you can be like, I don't know what the fuck they were thinking when they made this movie. Uh, but it's insane. Yeah. You don't get any of that. What you get instead is a movie that it does actually have a point of view. It's got a perspective. Yeah. It's got, it's got, uh, Jose Padilla has things he wants to say about uh, the use of drones, uh, drone warfare, both abroad and domestic. Yep. Um, the sort of battle between uh man versus machine um and the, there's even a little bit of sort of you know the presence of a soul and the str literally the struggle between the man who is in the machine um as well as the sort of moral ambiguity of putting a man in a machine and the at what point he stops becoming a man and is simply a, a flesh inside a device that can be controlled like yeah. these are all literally the expression the illusion of free will is yeah in the movie. exactly so these are all i mean those are all legit and, like sci-fi well, interesting big heady topics that he really wants to explore in this movie and actually kind of an interesting take on some of the original things yeah like it's it's a very different retelling of a of a different story with similar elements no exactly and that's the thing and that's it's, why i'm disappointed because it was kind of all right yeah no it is it's like i don't really have a big axe to grind with this movie except that it's not robocop like i think if this had no. just been it feel like i don't think i i'm 95 percent sure this isn't the case but there have been a number of movies over the years where there's a pre-existing script for a movie, like an original script, and it gets converted into a remake or a sequel to an existing property mm -hmm. because it bears a resemblance and they can kind of shoehorn it in. Say, well, if we put it under the banner of this existing intellectual property, then, you know, it'll Marquee sell more sales. tickets. Exactly. Yeah. There was a, a really good example is uh, Bruce Almighty. Bruce Almighty was a pretty significant hit. Um, and there was, uh, you know, a couple years later, there was that, the Steve Carell sequel where he is Noah in the Ark and he, you know, he's oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, exactly. Everybody forgot about it. Um, it's, that sequel started off as a completely different movie. It was just a movie about a modern day Noah. A studio basically found it and said, hey, this is a lot like Bruce Almighty. What if we just, like, we can't get... I'm sure, I think they went to Jim Carrey first. They couldn't get Jim Carrey, so they said, well, Steve Carell's kind of a star now. I, what, he was in that movie. Let's make him the main character, and it'll be a spin-off sequel. All we need to do is get Morgan Freeman to play God, and, you know, yeah. it, it's done. Ooh, poof. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. The Raid is a really good movie, and there's a sequel to that coming out uh, soon, a couple weeks, actually, um, which 
also started out, that script started out as a different movie, um, and they have just sort of converted it into a sequel to The Raid. Although that movie looks fucking amazing, so I'm really excited about that one. Um, so this, I don't think that's the case with, with this RoboCop remake, but it feels like it. It feels like a different film, a, like an original <laughs> script yeah. about a guy who's put into a, a robot, like a, you know, a man in a machine, and you know, all all of this struggle uh, and exploring his humanity and all this stuff. And somebody looked at it and went, "This, you, what if we made him a cop? What if we, what if he was a cop and we just called it RoboCop?" Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. Like the, the biggest criticism against this movie is simply that it shouldn't have been a RoboCop movie. It right. should have just been an original property, um, where he where he wasn't a cop. He was just a guy, um, and he gets you know whatever. Yeah. Um, it, it, and I mean, look, if that's the worst criticism you can level against it, I mean, that's not bad, right? No, not that bad. Um, I think the biggest thing and like the biggest r sort of evidence for that. Um, and again, like, I don't, I don't think that's actually the case. I don't, I, I think this was like RoboCop movie from start to finish, but it's really hard to overlook the fact that RoboCop is, Alex Murphy is barely the main character of this film. I'm not convinced that he is. This movie he feels like a foil for everyone. Yeah. I mean, the, I think it's hard to argue that the protagonist of this film is not Gary Oldman. Yeah. The first hour of the movie is pretty much the Gary Oldman show. Yeah. You know? like, let's establish Gary Oldman for a while. Yeah, and it's because he starts off as this really idealistic scientist who's using robotic prosthesis to help, you know, patients who, you know, they've lost arms and limbs and legs and, and you know, helping them to sort of gain themselves back. And he's like, oh, I, you know, I don't do military research. And he gets kind of sucked in to this sort of big corporate machine and you see him slowly compromise one ideal after another after another. I don't think it was gradual. I, I, I don't know. if I, I don't think it was his fault. I think it was a weakness in the script and I feel like it was a bad edit, actually. One or the other. That I thought that... Like, clearly they were trying to have him sell out little by little by little, but yeah. I, it felt a little abrupt to me. Um, he, he, cro he, he crossed some pretty big lines suddenly. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, no, and it's, and then he came back properly, but right, exactly. He has a whole, and he's got a whole redemption arc. Like, yeah. he feels like the most fully formed character in the whole movie. He is the most fully formed character in the whole movie. Um, I mean, who else? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly my point. You know, yeah. um, it, it's pretty much it's pretty it's pretty much his show. Yeah, um, and he's great. I think he, I think he's outstanding. Um, he 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 does he does really solid work, and he really makes that character, you, if, if he wasn't interesting, then that whole first half of the movie would just lay flat on the table, mm. you know? But Gary Oldman is inherently compelling, not, you know? Not that it was, uh, it was a little flat. Well, okay, but here's the thing. So I was thinking about that. I think the, the other tough thing about the first hour of the movie is it, it is wildly different from... From RoboCop, from the original. Yes. You know? So think of the original RoboCop, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. In the you have in like the first twenty minutes, we meet Alex Murphy. It's his first day on the job. He goes out on. He goes out. He stops. You know, he chases some bank robbers. 
he gets brutally murdered. Yeah. And then he he's he's killed. Uh, there we see the uh, you know his perspective as they're sort of building him and people talking or whatever sort of around him. Um, and and then he and then his memory and then wiped, he, his memory is wiped. And then he suddenly is Robocop. And nobody knows who he is. Right. And it and and but that all happens in like twenty minutes, if that. Probably even shorter than that. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. the first like. Full hour. There is there is forty five minutes before he even gets in. Aside from the sort of backstory shootout in the restaurant with his partner, yeah. Um, there's a full forty five minutes of before he is RoboCop in a suit, you know, engaged in combat. And even then, it's only a demonstration where he's in a right. controlled environment with other robots, you know, right. like proving what he can do. Yeah. Um, the first hour of the movie is instead spent on, you know, the sort of slow decline of Gary Oldman's morality, along with the boring nonsense about Alex Murphy, about whom we don't care. Yeah, the e- emo robo, basically, is what it is. Because yeah. that's the other thing about the original RoboCop, is that, you're right, so so Murphy gets his memory wiped, um, and he goes from he's dead and then the next time we see him, he is a machine. Yeah. You know? He has no emotion. He has uh, no memory. He's not Alex Murphy anymore. He's RoboCop. You know? And yeah. and he has to slowly regain his humanity. His, his identity. His identity and his humanity. And that becomes really compelling. Right. Whereas this Alex Murphy never loses his identity ever exactly and there's never a question even in the for the public who he is mm-hmm. his wife doesn't leave him mm-hmm. uh, there's no his this, his character has no interest and 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 I, don't, and I don't know anything about this actor I know nothing about this actor but this character Alex Murphy has no charm yeah he's I mean Joel Kinnaman's a little stiff I and it's it's actually really frustrating I only know him from uh, the Killing AMC show, The Killing, yeah. uh, which I didn't finish. I watched the first season, like half the second season, and, and then I stopped. But he's actually really, he, I mean, he's really good on that show. He's got a lot of personality on that show yeah. because he plays kind of more of a fast-talking, you know, former addict, like street-wise cop. So he's, I mean, he's actually really entertaining on that show. He's the best, one of the best things on that show. Uh, but yeah, he's pretty. He's he's a little stiff here. Well, um, and it's not just because he's playing a robot. No, no, but I mean, like, and that's the thing. If he was just like emotionless RoboCop, like Peter Weller, it would be fine. But they're asking him to actually be an emotional person for almost the whole movie. Right, and the thing is that, and I think this is one of one of the ways in which the old one is just much much better, just better cinema than the new one. Mm. Is that even though yeah, the guy's a robot, and you can see half his face. Um, you know, the only way that, that we know that he's fighting his programming is because they tell us that he's fighting his programming. Whereas in the old one, there was that little, you know, the little charming things like he's spinning his gun, yep. even when he is, when he, when he doesn't know who he is. Exactly. Like there's, there's. There's a sign that there's a human in there. Whereas he's not this, fighting the robots. He's, the, he's the humanity just, just is there. It's, it's just, just it's coming just, out naturally. It's just there. Whereas this is like, 
I don't know why. Is it his soul? Yeah. I mean, they have to say it. And it's, yeah. it's a little heavy-handed, and I... Well, and that's the thing. I mean, and that's one of those things where it's like, it just feels like this isn't... This didn't need to be a RoboCop movie. Because right. that's one of the things that they are really focused on in this movie um, is that that internal struggle between at what point he stops being a man and he starts being a machine, you know? So they have to... And, and in order to do that, they have to start with him as a fully formed human personality with memories and everything right. so that they can slowly break him down <laughs> uh, and you can slowly. see that that edge, you know, that, that tipping point right. and then have him come back again. Whereas I feel like it was more compelling to just have him not be a person and then have to regain it as opposed to watching him be a person, have all that personality stripped away and then have to fight again, you know? Um, it just feels like it he, kind he, of runs in circles. He, he never started with much personality. Well, so personality, what, a relative term here, yeah. Well, that's, well, that's my point. Is whereas when, when Peter Weller did it, he just had more personality before he, like, yeah. he, Alex Murphy, human, had plenty of personality. Robocop had none except for little signs. Yep. And then gradually he became back. Yeah. This Alex Murphy starts as a bored. Mm -hmm. He becomes RoboCop, and he's kind of a bored. Yeah, I mean, he's a little emotional because he's got no body yeah. left. But he's got like yeah, yeah. RoboCop. I mean, a lot of. I'm sure I haven't really been since we saw it about a week late. I've been kind of avoiding a lot of the internet. But the one thing I have seen a couple times pop up is people complaining that like the first thing that RoboCop does is cry. Yeah. Well, and like, look, I mean, look, that's fine. But again, that's that's the thing, you know. It's people saying, "Well, this isn't this isn't my RoboCop," you know. Well, like, where is he dies in a or you know, Alex Alex Murphy gets killed or taken out in this sort of car bomb, so it happens very quickly as a in a flash. You don't get that long, extended, violent, brutal like slang where they're literally yeah. pumping him with shotgun shells and he loses his hand and all this other yeah. stuff. So and the jokes, the jokes, yeah. Um, but but that's that's the thing. I mean, and the the other thing that I thought was really interesting. I didn't feel his loss. Yeah, I just didn't care. Yeah, because I didn't like him very much. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, the the other thing that I think is really interesting, and again, it's you know they're exploring this battle between uh, humanity and technology. When he has that first shootout in the warehouse with the robots, yeah, they they uh, posit this really interesting sort of gray area yes. which is that he uh the 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 hurdle they have to overcome is that when even when he's in the robocop suit at first because he's still himself just in a robotic i mean he's not a he's not a person but a he has his own body. personality yeah he's a he's a basically a human Human's personality brain and brain in a robotic in a robotic body yeah, yeah. um so because he's, he's Frankenstein still... Frankenstein is what he is. Yeah. Frankenstein's monster. Sorry, in, I know that I'm going to be... Indeed. Indeed. Uh, but because he's still a person, essentially, um, he when they compare his uh, performance in a simulation with that of a robot, he hesitates. What was that thing called? The Was it the Ed... Was it M208? M208 or something like that, yeah. yeah. Um, so he, he, he hesitates uh, when there are you know, hostages, or, you know, he, he hesitates to just come around a corner shooting because he's still a person, he's, you know, fears for his safety a little bit, so he will, like, look and duck back or whatever, and yeah. he, he doesn't he doesn't respond fast enough, 
Uh, or not s- as fast as the... Right, exactly, as, yeah. the, as the pure machine. So they're trying to increase his performance um, and, and his reflexes. And so what they do is they go into his brain and they, and they fuck around with the technology, with the chips in his brain, and they say, uh, and then he performs much better. And they, they ask Gary Oldman, like, what, what did you do? How did you overcome it? And he says, well, Alex Murphy isn't really doing anything right now. Um, when he, when When he's a normal, when he's a normal person, he's a normal person, but when he goes into combat mode, when he senses a threat, the visor comes down and the system takes over and behaves in a sort of automated fashion. And, but it's at the same time is sending signals to Murphy's brain so that he thinks he's doing everything. Yeah. That's the illusion of free will that you were talking about. Right. And that's actually really interesting. Yeah. That's and it, a really and then, and then fascinating position. Nowhere. Well, because ten minutes later, they, you know, they erase it, basically. Yeah, they came up with this stupid dopamine thing. Yeah, so, so like, ten minutes later, they're supposed to unveil him to the public, and, and he has a freak out, so they just say, fine, you know, we can't even have the illusion of free will, we're basically just gonna, like, get rid of all emotional response, and he's now basically a zombie. Yeah, they literally just dope him up. Which is, like, that was really frustrating for me, because that was a really nuanced, interesting position that I really wanted to see them explore, and what happens when he's out in the world, and he can literally, and he literally has to sort of fight that that programming um, and does how like, how does he discover that he's not really doing what he thinks he's doing you yeah. know yeah that that's fascinating and it was really sad to see it get dropped so quickly yeah so to get back to this idea of uh, what I mentioned at the beginning that that kind of soulless remake where they just sort of hit all the beats you know um, yes. we we got some of that here um, where it's sort of a couple of sort of tongue, tongue in cheek moments. Oh, uh, several. Where, you know, uh, Jackie Earl Haley makes the buy that for a dollar joke, um, which, you know, like, it's, oh, it was it's a, sad. It was, I mean, it was, it was, it was fine, but I feel like there was a better way to do that. It's my favorite line in the movie. I feel like there was a better way to do that. Yeah. Um, the, there was the, the visual jokes. About the old Robocop suit. Suit. No, that's exactly what I was going to say. The thing with the suit, actually... So, I was really annoyed at first. There's a whole bit where they go through different iterations of his suit. Oh, and God. they show, basically, the classic suit. And uh, and then they say, no, let's get rid of that. And let's make him sleeker and more tactical. Oh, what? Jesus yeah. Christ. So, I mean, okay, first of all, let's just talk about that design. Did you care for the new suit design? I liked the silver one. That he was first he, silver the, the first one that he's yeah. in at the very beginning. It's kind of silver and black. It's reminiscent of the old one. Mm-hmm. Updated. It's fine. Yeah. I never really liked the visor through the whole thing. The visor the is the visor one piece that... that never worked for me. This idea of a retractable visor is really fr- is really frustrating to me. It reminds me of all of the superhero movies where, you know, like Spider-Man who wears a mask yeah. and like m- both movie stars who want to be seen on screen and studios saying we've got a movie star in our movie it's dumb to hide his face so they're always coming up with excuses for characters to take their yeah. masks off yeah which is beyond stupid so the idea of him having a retractable dome seems <laughs> like just an excuse to keep putting joel kinman's face on the screen yes it does which again i don't i don't I care about don't care uh but what about the what about the black suit the black suit looks stupid i agree it, it, it looked like a rejected batman suit yeah, a, a little bit. Yeah, um, um, and it's and it's it and, and it just stunk of trying too damn hard. Well, and I think the interesting thing is, and, okay, and well, 
no. First, we got to go back to the thing where they brought that where they paraded the old suit. Yeah. And they actually said effectively to the audience, sometimes people don't know what they want until you tell them. Yeah. And I was like, fuck you. <laughs> I know exactly what I want RoboCop to look like. Yeah. And you want to show me an updated version? Okay. I'll go on that journey with you. Yeah. Don't tell me I'm an ass. Yeah. You ass. <laughs> that is like, absolutely correct. I was, oh. Yeah, no, that's... That was insulting. That was. That was That was pretty... I mean, I think they're, they think they're being cheeky, but... No, the rest of us are going, what the fuck? Uh, I, I think that uh, the best way to compare it is um, the old RoboCop, and I think the suit kind of lends, uh, speaks to the larger um, design of the character, so the old suit was like a tank, basically. Yeah. Robocop, he was big, he was oversized, he was hulking, and he moved really slowly. He and it was stomped around. And it was so endearing. Yeah, exactly. And it was like it made it more badass because it was <coughs> I'm fucking huge and I'm bulletproof. I don't need to run. Yeah. I can just walk at a leisurely pace and still take out the room. Yeah. Because I'm fucking Robocop. Yeah. I don't necessarily need RoboCop to be a fucking special forces doing like, you know, flips and rolls around the room. I mean, like I understand people there's I'm sure someone's saying, "Well, that's slow moving RoboCop is boring." And I'm sure a part a large part of that in the original came from a physical necessity yeah. of that suit weighing like a million pounds and he could right. only move so fast. Yeah. Just like the old uh you've ever heard the story of the old uh the Michael Keaton bat suit? The reason that he, whenever he, someone is behind him, he has to turn his whole body around is because, because the neck, the neck move. didn't move. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. So I'm like, I'm sure a lot of that is necessity, but it also translate to that, translates to that character right. and becomes one of the Part of favorite it. things about the character. Yeah. So this idea of making him sleeker and more tactical is not what anyone who gives a shit about RoboCop wants to see. You also, know? he looked ridiculous when he was running across the rice paddy. The thing that it kept screaming in my head throughout that, and every time there was like an action sequence where he was running and jumping and stuff, I now suddenly understand the plight of the zombie fan. Because oh, I, was I, thinking, didn't, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, because I did not grow up a fan of zombie movies. No, I couldn't um, And I kind of came in. So when zombie movies made a resurgence, and a lot of them were the, the fast zombies. The running zombies. Yeah, exactly. The 28 Days Later 28 zombies. Days Later and, and uh, Snyder's Dawn of the Dead remake are also fast zombies. Yeah. Um, you know, this there became this whole... You know, argument between fast zombies versus slow zombies, yeah. and if you, you know, the slow zombies, you were sort of, yeah, you're, a, you're a traditionalist, you're sort of a classy zombie fan, as opposed to this newfangled. This, it doesn't even feel like zombies, you know. No. Like I never really had a stake in that argument because I didn't grow up on zombie movies. I sort of like I like slow zombies. I don't necessarily have a problem with fast zombies. It just feels like a different way to do it. I suddenly understand that righteous indignation. Fast RoboCop. Fast RoboCop versus slow RoboCop. I mean, oh my god, it's not even a it's not even a debate. Like I, I don't understand why any anyone who says they prefer backflip RoboCop to slow lumbering RoboCop is missing the point. But here's the thing that I do like. So they are sort of taking some elements of the old RoboCop and leaving others. Um, Which is all I, right. That's I okay. like that they whenever he moved there were mechanical robot sounds happening like even if he just turned his head or he moved his arm like 
there was always that sort of like, like gears and were, hydraulics they were, they and stuff. They were a little too loud. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, sometimes it was a little distracting. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, I'd but rather was, have it there than not have it there. Right. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that they shouldn't have had it. Right. But I mean. You know what I did miss though? The robo voice. Yeah. He always sounds like himself. He always sounds like Joel Kinnaman, whereas Peter Weller, you know, his the, Murphy, rah, 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 yeah, he's, when he's RoboCop, he has a metallic edge to his voice. He has a robotic quality to his voice. I, I miss the Robo voice. Yeah. There was a little hint of it, sort of, when they took, when they dope, took away all his dopamine and, and they sort of, he was more in sort of mindless mode, like, yeah. he had a little bit of that quality to it, but... but not, it wasn't Cynthia enough. Yeah, no. And it, you, you get a little bit of it, uh, like, in near the end and the times where he's really injured. Um, which almost sort of implies, like, well, he's got a voice simulator that's making yeah. his voice sound normal. When he gets injured, it, it goes out of whack, and that's when he starts to sound like a robot. But, again, like, he's RoboCop. Like, yeah. don't shy away from the Robo part. I don't yeah. ca I care less about the cop and more about the Robo. Oh, can we go back to the suit for one second? Yeah. There's one thing I want to well, bring I think up. this is all part of the suit. Go okay, ahead. well, anyway. The hand... The hand. Every time I saw that hand, I saw I thought the exact same thing. When's someone gonna shoot him in the hand? No, <laughs> no, no. At, well, I mean, because that's what a friend of mine. Uh, I was talking about this with my friend Jeff a couple weeks ago, um, and that was exactly what he said. He, he was like, "I keep looking at these posters. Why does he have a normal human hand? Doesn't that just mean you can fucking shoot him in the hand and he can't kill anyone anymore? Give, give the man a hand." Bro, no, thank you. no. What I thought every time I saw that hand was. Lose the arm. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, they cut off the rest of them. Yep. Why the fuck would they leave his hand there? Yeah, I don't understand. It just doesn't okay. make any fucking sense. So I think this is an editing thing, because I remember hearing about this, like, way in advance, and there are little, like, hints of it in the movie, and I think they just cut this part out, probably because it's fucking stupid, mm. which is, uh, there's a line early on. Um, I think when when Michael Keaton is in the Senate hearing at the beginning, yeah, and they talk about uh, that there, <coughs> that there should always be a, a human pulling the trigger. And what I heard, what I heard months ago was that, that there was a, that is ridiculous. Yes. That there was a part of the script where it was literally, we left him his hand so that his, there was a human hand pulling the trigger. He shoots with the other hand all the time. Exactly. Which is why it's stupid, which is why I think it was cut out of the movie. But, like, you're right. There's no other reason why... They literally... He loses his whole body. He is a pair of lungs That's and a when, head. When they, when they strip away all the robot bits, and yeah. he's there on a hanger... Yeah, exactly. He's a head, a pair of lungs... And a hand. Why he has lungs, I don't understand. Yeah. And but, a hand. And, and it's just like a hand on a pole. Yeah. It's like, why is it over there? No, you're right. There's no reason for him still to and have how, a hand And how is that. it stuck on a pole? Mm-hmm. And, and how... I, I just... Oh, my God. Yeah. No, it's... It's it's ridiculous. But what I will say... And, he, and you know, it's just like the whole, like, one glove thing, too. <laughs> what the hell? So here's, here's what I will say. Um, and look, I'd say a spoiler warning, but we've already... Say, you know, we've already spoiled plenty, I guess. Oh, I don't think we're spoiling it. Yeah. Okay, but the, at the very end, there seemed to be... The, you never really see it in full, but the implication feels like, in the end, he's got the traditional RoboCop suit. At the very end. At the very, at the very, very end. Uh... In that, like, if we, this movie makes enough money for us to make sequels, 
that he will be at the very least be in a silver suit. And I think whether he it's it's literally that one they put on the screen or not, I don't know. But that he's more in the traditional robot. I think the suit that he has at the very end is mm-hmm. the suit he has at the very at the very beginning. Yeah, it's, that's probably true. Like I said, you don't really see the headpiece come down, and you you don't really you don't really ever see it all the way. Well, plus done. plus the uh, the the black suit is not a spray painted version of the silver suit. Yeah, no, it's a very it's a, different it's a shape and everything. everything. Yeah, exactly. So, I'm guessing I mean if they have another one kicking around. Right. Well, and that's and that's the thing. It, it makes it feel especially that moment where like if where where at the very end he has the normal RoboCop suit to a certain degree, it almost makes this movie feel like a RoboCop begins. Like, oh Jesus! Because I mean, think of think of yeah. Batman, think of Batman no, Begins. Batman Begins yeah. spends half the movie with just Bruce Wayne learning how to be a badass, basically, and that's essentially what most RoboCop is. It's Alex Murphy like learning how to deal with his humanity and and with this robot suit, and like it almost feels like the long, like drawn out backstory to how he becomes badass RoboCop. Mm. So let's talk about some supporting characters. Uh, I mentioned Gary Oldman, who, again, I don't think is a supporting character. I think he's the protagonist. Um, I think one of the most unfortunate things about the movie is that I feel like it kind of wastes Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton's character felt kind of boring to me. He wasn't (sighs) really... I mean, he was he, he was he wasn't quite evil. Yeah, enough. exactly, exactly. Not like he wasn't quite enough. He, I mean, and look, you you immediately want to draw the comparison to Dick Jones. Yeah, and that like that's almost an impossible comparison because Ronnie Cox is so amazing, and yeah. Dick Jones is Dick's such so, a great character, such an asshole. Yeah, so M- Michael Keaton's character almost felt boring, and even at the end where he like holds a gun on RoboCop, it almost he's he's doing it not because. Like, he's evil, and he's sort of like, yeah, fuck, I can hold a gun on you. I'm going to hold a gun on you. Like, whatever. What are you going to do? Like, he's just pompous and and, a, we and needed, an we needed, a, we needed a little more Beetlejuice than we got. Yeah. I wanted a little more crazy Keaton in that role. Yeah. I was really excited about Michael Keaton being in this movie, and it, I kept waiting for him to kind of, like, bust out and go, go uh, you know, balls out Keaton, and it really happened which yeah. made me well, kind of sad because he never i mean they never wrote him a reason to go crazy mm-hmm. or do anything drastic no exactly he was comfortable the, the whole, whole movie. movie yeah um so speaking of of dick jones uh so again so there's this whole you want to kind of draw comparisons between characters in this mm-hmm. movie and their counterparts in the first one um well rorschach would have to be uh what's his name uh bob bob morton is that yeah. what you're talking about? Yeah. Who gets who gets blown up? Well, an underboss. Uh, yeah, but Bob Morton is the guy behind RoboCop, though. Like he's Jones's rival. Right. I don't think I don't think there is a Bob Morton in this movie, which yeah. is I think the weird thing. Yeah. Um, but I want I want to come back to that actually because that's another really interesting difference between this and the original movie that I want to talk about. Yeah. Um, what I'm going to say is that uh, fake Eric Stoltz is no Red Foreman. Oh, God. Clarence Boddicker is an amazing villain. Oh, yeah. He might be one of my favorite... I mean, he certainly is one of, if not my absolute favorite on-screen villain. Mm-hmm. He's 
a, he's fucking hilarious. He's incredibly violent. He's a psychopath, and he wears an ascot. There is a scene where he walks into a drug lab wearing an ascot. He's... He sticks his fingers in a guy's wine glass and then snorts the wine off of his fingers while there's piles of cocaine lying around. For no reason. It's amazing. And so his... And he does it all with that look yeah, on his face. Yeah. So you, you, you know, they have the sort of crime boss character in this movie, a guy whose name I have forgotten that starts with a V. He looks like Eric uh, Stoltz. Rich, Richie Valens. Yeah, exactly. We'll, yes, we will call him Richie Valens. Uh, Richie Valens, who looks like Eric Stoltz, but is not Eric Stoltz. Yeah. I, like, it feels like... It feels like Star Trek V, where they couldn't get Sean Connery, so they got a guy who looks like Sean Connery. Yeah. <laughs> it's... It, it, and he's got, like, zero personality. He's oh, basically he has, a faceless crime boss, you know? Well, he, he I mean, he only has, like, three scenes of dialogue anyway, but... He also serves very little purpose. No purpose at all. I mean, I understand with the plot device. Yeah. But he <laughs> serves no purpose. Yeah, he could be anybody. Yeah. Um, so that that part is, is really disappointing. Um, so I really liked Michael K. Williams. Uh, better known as Omar from The Wire. Oh yeah, uh, as as Lewis, as his partner Lewis, he's fantastic. I mean, Omar is great in everything, um, and he doesn't have a he doesn't have a whole lot to do. You thought he was going to turn? I did. I had a sneaking suspicion that he they were going to make him go dirty. Um, I'm glad I was wrong about that. He just, you know what? He gave this the first time he met up with RoboCop uh, after he you know, and he was like, "Oh, I'm, first thing I'm going to do is go after the guy who killed me, man." Um, he gave him this look as he walked away that felt like, in oh. a lesser movie, the, like, I'm giving away the game, like, oh, he's going to go after him, and now I work for him, and now I'm conflicted look. Yeah. Um, but, no, he's, he's, he's great. He was exactly, exactly what he needed to be. Um, Jackie Earl Haley is, is fine as he's always, the, I mean, he's always fine. Yeah, exactly. I actually, I actually thought he was way more compelling than... Um, Richie Valens. Well, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, he was a much better antagonist. Yeah, I mean, if he's probably the closest you get to the Clarence Boddicker role. Yeah. Except that he's not. He's not, he's a, not criminal. a criminal. He's not a criminal. He's just an under. He's a head. He's he's, yeah. a, he's a he's a head henchman. Uh, he's an underboss. He's uh he's Christopher Lee. Yeah, there you go. There you go. He's he's the Count Dooku of the movie. <laughs> um, how about uh, J, J. Baruchel is the marketing guy. Nice to see Jay Baruchel getting a paycheck, I guess. Yeah, it's fine. Always nice to see him in a, in a big movie, going to make some money. He's got a fun beard. He wears awesome suits. Yeah, it's fine. Um, he's got one good, really good laugh line. Actually, he, I should say that. He has two really good laugh lines. The I'm, I'm in marketing is good, but I also really liked... Uh, He's out solving. He's out solving his own murder. That's brilliant. Why didn't I think of that? Yeah, that's a great line from him. I love that. Um, but last, but certainly not least. Well, all right. Samuel L. Jackson. Sammy J. Sammy J. As the Bill O'Reilly surrogate. Yeah. Who kind of feels like that was a weird statement on Bill O'Reilly. Yeah. Me. No, it kind of it kind of feels like they shot they shot the whole movie and went we need us something else. Let's get Sam Jackson. All of his scenes exist like outside of the rest of the movie. Yeah. Um, except for the very beginning. The very beginning that intro in Tehran. Right. Like that's pretty that's pretty integrated. But like it he he almost feels like an afterthought in a kind of way, like a way yeah. to just sort of spice things up a little bit. Like I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if a lot of his scenes were shot after the rest of the action. I was thinking the same thing in one day. Yeah, 
It's the close. What I what I like about it is that it's the closest thing you get to um, Verhoeven's use of like the news anchors yeah. and the commercials yes. and like because that's the thing about Verhoeven. Uh, it's my favorite thing that he does in all of his movies. Um, well, not I shouldn't say all of his movies, but in all of my favorite Verhoeven movies, so RoboCop and uh, Total Recall and Starship Troopers. I also look. I mean, oh, I always forget about Starship Troopers. Showgirls, Showgirls is amazing, but it's a that's a different kind of thing. But Starship Troopers, Total Recall, and RoboCop all make really good use of. Uh, news broadcasts and propaganda footage and they cut to things on a TV screen and they're all and it like it really adds an extra layer to the movie so it feels like all the Sam Jackson stuff is kind of an homage yeah. to that yeah um, and it works yeah you know look I mean work. look anytime you want to put Sam Jackson in a double-breasted blazer and With give him a ridiculous hairpiece hair I am on board and I also enjoy the fact that they sort of realized hey Sam Jackson's in this movie we should probably make him say motherfucker at some point yeah. right yeah that's that's pretty good um, he's but he's he's super he's super funny he, he lends some nice you know the movie's not very it's not very fun yeah I mean it's, it's not it, that much fun this well, movie exactly and that's the thing like I mean he, Padilla really wants to explore all of these, you know, heady, emotional, intellectual concepts, which are just not present in the original one. The original one is, you know, it's not a matter of looking back and saying, oh, it's campy and fun. Like, it's amazing for what it is. It's super fucking violent, and it's yeah. and it's great. But, yeah, it's also really just, like, pulpy entertaining, and that's what's missing from this one. It's trying to be really slick in a lot of ways, <coughs> so you miss that sort of pulp entertainment, and... Jackson's about the closest thing you get to that in this yeah. movie. You, there's just, you just need some levity. Yeah, exactly. The, other, the only, like I said, there are only other couple of big laugh lines, aside from the fucking random guy who wandered into our theater 20 minutes into the oh, movie. There were two of them. There were two of them, and we're just like speaking lines, speaking dialogue to each other, uh, which I was on the verge of getting annoyed, but then they would say something amazing, so and then it was okay again. I was wondering whether you were going to, but I, I was, was like, really close. I was like, if Daly says some of these guys, because I'm pretty sure they were drunk. I but, think so too. Um, I was like, if he says, and they some were of older these guys. guys, they were probably in their fifties at least, and they clearly were sneaking in from another movie. They literally because announced they it to said, the theater, so they came in. They're like, oh, I'll see another movie. Nah. Yeah, they literally announced to the entire theater <laughs> that they were coming in from a different movie. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know, I was like... And sat down right next to us. Yeah. Literally wandered, sat down right next to us. And, and I was like, if Daly says something to these guys, they're gonna start a fight. Yeah. It, <laughs> and it's just... Entirely impossible. <laughs> you gotta play that out. Because at the very beginning, there was a guy sitting behind us who was kind of talking. And I think he had kids or something, so I felt like he may have been talking to the kids or whatever. Oh, um, is that who was But he wasn't, me? he wasn't, no, 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 he was, because it was like a couple rows behind us. Oh. But, but like, he was talking at, like, a normal volume, like, I could hear him from, like, two or three rows yeah. away, so I got really close at the beginning so to turning I, around actually. talking to that guy, but he kind of knocked it off after a minute, Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, those guys, and that's the thing, like, you, there's no point, no, so, sometimes you just gotta pick a battle, you know, yeah, and um, I mean, like, it, and it wasn't Schindler's List, like, yeah, exactly, you it's know, fucking like, RoboCop, it's, Robocop. it's and not it's, only that, it's the it's, fucking RoboCop remake, you know, at 5.45. On a Friday. On a Friday. Exactly. What are you going to do? It's on a rainy Friday. Yeah. It's all right. So the other thing that Verhoeven really focuses on in the original RoboCop 
it really focuses on the idea of um, corporate power. You know, that yeah. OCP is a private company that has basically taken over the police department. They're running the police department and they literally, they take a dead man and they just do whatever the fuck they want to him. They turn him into this thing with no question over his own humanity and, and, and whether or not they have a right to do that because they say he's a cop and he works for us so we can do whatever the fuck we want. They put him into this police department. The police department is hamstrung and they just sort of have to do whatever OCP says. And a lot of that movie is that that corporate culture, right? Bob yep. Morton versus Dick Jones yep. and one, one project overtaking the other and the rivalry between RoboCop and Ed 209. Like, the corporate culture and, and, and the power of of private industry is a very key element to that movie, which kind of feels neglected. I don't want to say it's not present, but it feels neglected in this movie. It's different. In yeah. This movie. Well, because a lot of it is instead focused on the government. Yeah, exactly. There's a, there's literally a bill in Congress preventing robots and drones from being used on U S soil. And the company has to, is, is basically lobbying to get this bill uh, repealed. Well, it's a very, wait, the whole world is a, it's a totally different future. Yep. Um, I don't even know. Did they say what year this was supposed to be? No, uh, he makes a reference when he arrests a guy, he makes a reference to his wife having filed for divorce in 2018 or 2019, mm. which would imply at it's least a couple 20, years. Yeah, so 20, probably 2020 something. Yeah. yeah. All right. Anyway, but it's, it's a very, I mean, original RoboCop is almost dystopian. I mean, it's mm -hmm. almost, almost post-apocalyptic. Detroit is in ruins. Oh, yeah, The government absolutely. doesn't exist They anymore. want to literally rebuild the city of Detroit. They literally want... Yeah. OCP, this private company, yeah. wants to literally tear down the city of Detroit and build a new city that, with a different name. They were called Delta, Delta City. city yeah. They literally want to tear down infrastructure and rebuild a corporately owned city. Right. Whereas in this new one, it's trying to fit everything into a much more real well real world i guess yeah. framework yeah i mean they they leave i mean also old robocop died yeah new robocop never died that's true so that's true. old robocop literally even when they take this helmet off he has a bullet in his head yeah he's i mean he he died and they own his they own him yeah that's that's how they get over i mean that's exactly perfectly whereas, reasonable way to get the wife out of the picture exactly whereas here they literally have an argument about consent forms yeah because the wife is still around. Yeah. And because he never died, she still has her rights. Exactly. I mean, and honestly, I don't... I, I like Abby Cornish, and that kid is fine, but, like, I never really cared about the family no. story in this. I, I liked the fact that in the original, that his wife and son assumed they thought he was dead, and they moved on with their lives, yeah. and that it was just sort of, like, the backstory to his humanity, as opposed to, like, this present force throughout the movie. Like, I, I don't... I don't think it's bad. I just don't think it added anything. Right. Exactly. It was a. It wasn't even a distraction. It was like oh, it was just sort of also there. It's wifey time. But but that's like, so. I mean, I think there is something to say about you know the relationship between uh, corporations and government and this idea of corporations lobbying to have laws overturned. Like that's certainly a valid you know point to examine. Absolutely. Um, it's very different. Yeah, but totally I, different. Exactly, very different. But I also don't feel like they really did a lot with it either. It was just sort of like, well, if we can put a good it wasn't like they were literally 
you know, lobbying senators and, you know, Michael Keaton is meeting with guys and giving them briefcases of money or something like that. Well, they said they did it. Well, yeah, exactly. Like, they're, uh, you know, they're, they talk about, oh, the senator, you know, uh, sen- senators are our customers or, or no, whatever. No, 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 they and, said, they said at the beginning that we, we offered people on both side of the aisle mm. money, blah, blah, nobody's budging. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. Um, but it, but it really just becomes, it literally becomes like a matter of marketing. It's if we can get a, you know, a good enough product out on the streets yeah. and we can turn public opinion, then, you know, Congress will have no, no choice but to do what we want them to do. Um, so that, in a way, it feels like if you want to talk about, you know, the influence of corporations over government, like, I'm all for that, but that seemed like a sort of unrealistic way, or, or that's, you want to talk about corporations influencing government by putting really good products out on the street that change public opinion, like, that doesn't seem to be the argument to, something worth arguing about, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, you know, the idea of corporate influence over, directly over senators and, you know, monetary contributions, like, that's, that would have been something worth talking about, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'll recognize that there's a difference between, you know, Reagan era 80s and... You know, today, yeah, certainly. Like, yeah, you're not you're not going to make the same argument, and you're not going to make the same point. I mean, I think you could have kept it. You could have left the government out of it and kept it just about corporation. I think that's fine. I mean, literally, in an era in which we do have debates about whether corporations are people, you know, yeah, having a corporately owned person. I mean, there, there's there's plenty of leeway there, you know. Yeah. Um, I just I just wish they would they done something more interesting with it. Yeah. It kind of harkens back to, from the original, the Directive 4 idea. Yeah. Oh, the Directive 4 thing. So, yes. and, and, and I think it was interesting because, and we saw that poster as we were walking into the theater, where it's literally on the poster, just like in the original, where he has three directives and the fourth directive is listed as classified, the fourth directive being, you cannot act against any member of OCP. Yeah. Um, and for the record... Listeners at home, I am wearing my OCP T-shirt as we speak, and he was during the movie, indeed, as well. I am that guy. I am the guy who wears he the is, shirt of the band he's going to see. He is that guy. At least today, I am. Um, Mike, you're always that guy. I, sometimes. So, uh, so I, you know, they, they literally are putting that on the posters. So I expected to basically see it in the movie as well, and it didn't happen. It didn't. But they sort of do it anyway with this whole red. Bread asset thing. thing. Yeah. They wear, you know, company uh, uh, officers, whatever. They, they wear these special bracelets that are well, uh, okay. so, tagged, tagged red so that, like, drones and robots and stuff know not to shoot them. Right. And therefore, the, when Robocop tries to arrest people from the company, they say, oh, well, I'm wearing a red bracelet, so your programming won't allow you to do that. Right. I mean, it's essentially Directive 4. It's just phrased in a new agey kind of way. Right. But in but it's but handled very differently. Yeah, because I mean, if you haven't seen the first one, well, I don't know why. You're first of all, shame on you. I don't know. I don't know why you're listening to this thing. Yeah. But anyway, go go watch it and come back. Anyway, so you know the way they handled in the first one, of course, is they have to have the old man fire Dick Jones, so which is no brilliant. Which is really it's it's genius. Yes. Um, and then he can shoot him, and he falls out the window and his arms With are giant arms. He's, he's huge claymation <laughs> arms. Yes. His it's, arms are longer than his body. It's, it's amazing. It's like, it's like one of those noodly guys at a car dealership. Yeah, God, I love that. Every time I see that, I laugh out loud. You think of Dick Jones. Yeah. Um, whereas in this one, I was waiting for him to do something 
similar. Similarly clever, yeah. But they didn't. They went They went for the easy op. They went for door number one, which is just have him will himself so to, to do yeah, it, to exactly. shoot him anyway. Yeah, exactly. Which is a completely different handling of the situation. But, and But again, I mean, that, that it's it just sort of, it, it's hearkening back to those those themes of the movie of yeah. the man overriding the machine. I mean, that's a thing that you see throughout the movie is that they sh- literally, they go use artificial means to strip away all of his humanity, but the humanity asserts itself anyway. It you know? See, I, I would be fine with that, with having his, just, just the man do it. Mm-hmm. If they'd built it up properly, and they hadn't. If they'd had a running well, they theme they spent whole t- enough time with it. It just felt like they kept sort of having it and then dropping it and then right, having it again. That's what I mean. It was like, it, it, if they had trouble the whole time suppressing the human element, as opposed to successfully suppressing it for long period, most of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, that, that's, no, but I, I don't think it's most of the movie, but what it is is that they spend so much time gradually suppressing it yeah. That it feels like it's not a big deal to suppress. I mean, not that it's not a big deal, but... but that, that's that, how it feels. That's yeah, it exactly. It, it feels like it's not a big deal when he regains it. Because it's like, well, he had it before, you know? Yeah. That, and that's the difference between, you know, with the original RoboCop is he was a person, and then he was a machine. And he had to... He, and, and his humanity had, you know, it, it, it was, came out of his own accord and it literally, it was intrinsic, even when he was a machine, there were was, hints of his humanity exactly. and, and it, it was, fought out naturally and he had right. to, like, struggle to find his, his right. personhood. Whereas in this one, he starts out as a person. So when they artificially slowly strip him of the, that, of that, you know, humanity, it's way less interesting well, when he gains it back again. Because well, it's like, well, you had it 20 minutes ago. Right. So he, I'm I mean, sure he, you have it he, again. He loses his humanity twice yeah. in this movie. Once with a really interesting thing that we talked about earlier, yep. which goes absolutely nowhere. Nowhere, yeah. And then with the stupid dopamine thing, which is Gary Oldman's last minute last ditch effort to get him presentable yeah i mean he literally they're like you need to get him he, he's on the floor having a seizure and, and he's they, supposed to be in and, and they're yeah. like and like you need we need him on stage in five minutes get him there yeah and he just was like well so they essentially lobotomize and he's just like let's crank up the dopamine and no lobotomize. no no it's the opposite they take away the dopamine oh sorry yeah, yeah right Right. They take away, right. they t- they strip his dopamine levels so that he has no emotional response to right. anything. He's and doing. then later, you know, his dopamine levels start coming back to normal, and yeah. they're like, but they, but, but feel, it feels arbitrary. It, it feels, feels very arbitrary, arbitrary and it yeah. and it just happens. And and when they say it's happening, he goes, I have no idea why. Yeah, the more time it feel, you know, it feels like they wanted to spend more time with Alex Murphy, the guy, to make that character more compelling. But it's like the more time you spend with him, the less interesting he became. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, Robocop, you know, Weller's Robocop is inherently interesting because we only get a flash of him as a normal guy and then... But he's a normal guy being somebody. Even though you only get like three scenes with him, he has a distinct personality. And, and, and it's tied really well to his family because, I mean, you see him, I mean, even for just, you know, a few seconds, he's yeah. leaning on the hood of his car, spinning his gun around. Yep. My kid really likes it when I, when I do this because... Yep. His hero on TV does it all the time. Exactly. And poof, now he's a father. Yep. That's it. That's this, all you this, need. This guy, you see him holding his kid, and you're like, oh, dad, he's so happy to see you. Go to bed. Do your homework. Go to bed. Yeah, exactly. There was another <laughs> one of those, like, really unfortunate screenwriter moments where it's like, were there extra lines that got cut that made that make sense where literally one minute the mother's saying, don't watch that hockey game. You're not supposed to watch the hockey game until you do your homework. And then 35 seconds later, <laughs> says, go to bed. you should go to bed. It's like, 
Hold on a second. Wasn't he supposed to be doing his homework a minute ago? Yeah. And he's like, oh, but dad just got home. Because I'm like, it's like, all right, yes, you love your father. Yeah. But I don't care. Wonderful. Yeah. I think it's that time. Oh, like there's a debate. The heart of the Ghostbusters? Obviously. It's Bill O'Reilly. It's Bill O'Reilly. Well, yes. I think, I mean, I think it has to be, doesn't it? It's, I mean, it's, it, it's, he it's, seems it's, like a pompous douche, but it's, absolutely. It's Bill O'Reilly, bad motherfucker. That, that's, that is, that is motherfucking true. I, I mean, mean, who else could it be? Even though he was kind of dull in this movie, mm -hmm. um, Keaton. Because it, it, it'd be like having, it'd be like having beers with, uh, Steve Jobs, if Steve Jobs made robots. I don't know. Like I said, I mean, they, they, his character is a they little ill-defined in this movie, yeah. but but he seemed like one of those if, guys who, he seemed like one of those guys who would just like, walk in the, he, he, you know, he, he'd run the place, you know? You'd, you, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even be having a beer with him, you'd be drinking the best scotch you've ever had in you, your life. See, like, if, okay, if they had written Keaton's character in this to have a psychotic break, at some point. <laughs> or or just to, or, or at one point do that eyebrow thing, mm -hmm. just once, just to have a reason, yeah. or just to give that Michael Keaton look, yeah, for just to somebody. I tell you what, uh, the thing that I'm excited about at this point, since I was so disappointed by him in this movie, is uh, he he's also appearing. I think it comes out next month in uh, Need for Speed. Oh, is it uh, really? Yeah, <coughs> uh, he, he shows up in a couple of the trailers. Um, and it's hard to pin down exactly what his role is, but he appears to be some kind of, uh, like, radio DJ or, or okay. like, radio guy. Like, he, all the scenes are him just sort of talking into a microphone. Um, so I, I, there's sort of, I think there's, like, a cross-country, like, a big cross-country race kind of thing that's sort okay. of at the center of the movie. Like, um, and he seems to be the... Thing? Yeah, exactly. And so he seems to be the guy who's sort of, like, narrating the race and doing sort of color commentary over the radio kind of thing mm. but all of the clips of him in the ads and in the trailer so far are just basically michael keaton in a room by himself pontificating upon the nature of racing and wow. being a fucking badass and if it really if that's really what we're gonna get then like my ticket is sold yeah you know like, Cause otherwise, I don't know why that movie exists. I mean, I, okay, but here's the thing about that movie that the the uh, the only other thing about the movie that actually makes me really interested and makes me want to go see that movie, uh, the director, uh, whose name is escaping me right now. I want to say it's like Scott Waugh or something like that. Uh, let's let's look it up. Let's let's do our due diligence. Need for Speed, directed by Scott Waugh. I was right. I don't know. I'm probably not saying his name right. It's W A U G H Waugh. Wow. Wow. I hope it's wow. I hope his name is Scott Wow. <laughs> Scott Wow. Is that like Sham Wow? <laughs> um, but he is Scott Wow. Is a he's a stunt guy. He comes from a stunt family. His dad was like a stunt coordinator. Oh. And so his whole thing with this movie was that he did not want to do the car effects CG. Whenever humanly possible, the car effects, the car stunts are done practically. I was going to say, I know that they built a lot of replicas. Of, yeah. Uh, and not only that, yeah. they literally sent Aaron Paul to driving school oh. so that he is doing his own driving through a lot of the movie, which allows them to literally shoot him 
driving the car in the like in the middle of a stunt. Cool. You know? That is really interesting to me. That lends the movie not just credibility, but you know, it's a thing that you don't you don't see a lot of people going to that much effort anymore. Yeah. So that makes me inherently want to support that that creative decision. You yeah. know? Yeah. Um but I think I mean I think I think that probably closes the book on Robocop. Did you do you have any anything else you wanna you want to you want to throw down for RoboCop? Do you want a sequel? I'm asking. Well, I'm not asking you whether you think there's gonna be. Hmm. Do you want? Yeah, I haven't looked at the box office, so I honestly don't know if there's gonna be or not. Um, I wouldn't be upset about a sequel. Um, I'd probably watch a sequel. I wouldn't like rush out to theaters to see it. Well, we didn't rush out to see this one. Well, we're I mean we're a week late. It came out on Valentine's Day, so we're a week late. Okay. Um, and in fairness, we would have gone opening weekend, except you you've been sick for a couple days. So well, it was, but that's also because you it was it was President's Day and you were the day off. That's so, true. And exactly. so did I. If it exactly. hadn't been a long weekend, I don't think we would have. That's that's probably true. Um. But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a problem if there was a sequel. I would probably watch it. Um, yeah, mostly, you, mostly out of, mostly out of. Well, no, I don't. I'm not dying for a sequel. I'd be, I'd be curious to see a sequel, mostly out of, I don't want to say morbid curiosity, but to see where they went with it. Only because there were multiple RoboCop movies. They got exponentially worse as they went. And I have a friend who, my friend Jason who was just recently singing the praises of RoboCop 2, which I haven't watched in a number of years. I was going to so ask I would you really actually, like to revisit it. I didn't think about it, but I remember it. I don't remember if it's RoboCop 2 or 3. Yeah. Probably 2. 3 uh, is the one where he starts flying. Well, no, I know that. I remember that, unfortunately. That's the thing that's burned into my memory. Yeah. Is RoboCop 2 the one where they've got the, the evil, not George Carlin, George Carlin Robo guy? Uh, With yeah, the, and the weird drug thing. Yeah, there's a uh, Tom Noonan is the bad guy, and I think he ends up in a robo suit at the end. Yeah, and it's just a silly battle. I don't remember. Um, that's like, I, I haven't been. I mean, like, I haven't. I haven't. Anyway, I haven't seen my, it my point so. being is that I think I think it's RoboCop two, where there is a doctor who is basically RoboCop's handler at that point, mm-hmm. the only one left who gives a shit about him. Mm-hmm. He's in a basement. <laughs> like, RoboCop's in the basement, guys. Yeah. Let's, let's <laughs> Uh, Where do we put that RoboCop? I think he's in the basement. Someone's down there spoon feeding him baby food. (laughs) Anyway, the the doctor thing. I couldn't remember the name of the doctor. Yeah. Um, No, so, I I mean, I'd be curious to revisit that one, but I know the later ones get pretty bad. They sure do. The TV show was really bad. Yeah, and there are some (laughs) direct-to-DVD movies from just a couple years ago that are also, I think, pretty bad. Um, They're all on Netflix. I'm almost curious enough to watch them. Um, but that's, that's the thing about RoboCop, you know, like the, the first one, it's a well-known property because there were a bunch of sequels and a TV show and all that stuff, but the first one is amazing and everything after that is less so. So the first one is really like the thing that everyone remembers fondly. Sound familiar? Yeah. (laughs) So I'd be curious to see what they would do with the sequel. Yeah. Only in that, like, there isn't a lot of... Once you get past the first RoboCop movie, there isn't a lot of other stuff that's like canon that they would like need to revisit or, or live up to. Is there still, you wait, can, wait, is any of that shit canon? Like one, two, and three. Yeah, I think after three. Yeah, I, I feel like there might be a 
four? Is there a fourth RoboCop no. movie? Okay. Then, yeah. Then, technically, I think the first three are really the... I don't... Like I said, I haven't, I haven't watched the show in a while, and I haven't watched any of the direct-to-DVD yeah. movies, so I don't know if they're technically supposed to be Peter Weller was or there, if they're just... Was there a cartoon? Oh, I'm sure there must have been a cartoon. I don't see how there couldn't have been a cartoon. I don't have memories of a cartoon... But statistically, I feel like there must have been. I'm, I'm trying to remember, and I can, I can certainly visualize a RoboCop cartoon. Yeah. But I'm trying to. I'm not I sure mean, if that's just my head. Like, or... I don't know how there couldn't have been. I don't. I feel like no. Somebody wouldn't have let that go. I feel like they had to have made a cartoon at some point. They made cartoons out of everything. There was a fucking Beetlejuice cartoon for children and a that. Back to the Future cartoon about Doc's kids. I remember so that. Jules I and Vern. Indeed. Jules and Vern Brown. I can't see how there could... There was a James Bond Jr. cartoon. I remember that and one. And he was... He wasn't even James Bond's kid. He was his nephew. And and Q was IQ. Yes. I mean, I don't... There had to have been a RoboCop cartoon. Yeah. Uh, but... So, so I'd be curious to see what they would do with a sequel only yeah. to see if they would... Uh, Maybe they'd bring back that other thing. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if they made a RoboCop sequel, I feel like he would. They would not wait to for a third one to give him a jetpack. I feel like he would probably start flying in the next one, um, and I'd be more curious to see, uh, you know, whether or not the creative team. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't really have a good nemesis in this movie. No. Um, there's oh, no, like I said, there's no Clarence Bottom. We didn't even talk about. Uh, we didn't really talk about Ed Two Hundred Nine in this one. We should probably take a minute. Yeah. Just because I mean, we love original Ed Well, Ed, so that's the thing. Original Ed 209 is amazing. And I turned to you at the very beginning and I said, look, if Ed 209 does not fall down a flight of stairs at some point in this movie, I'm going to be very disappointed. And then when we got to the, the big action sequence at the end where there were a couple of Ed 209 yeah. on top of some stairs, yep. I hit you and I said, stairs! Yep. And then it didn't happen. And then it didn't happen. Although I do feel like at one point, like, there was an Ed 209 that got damaged and knocked over and shit, and he was making the screechy noises. Was it? A little bit. It was, like, amongst explosions and stuff, so it was kind of in the background, but I feel like I kind of heard that sort of screechy cat noise that Ed 209 makes when he falls down. You know what else I missed? I missed the legs of Ed 209 walking without the... Without the top, the, yeah. The top part. Well, and I also miss that they didn't call him Ed 209. They no. only were ever referred to him as ED 209. Yeah, he's Ed. Yeah. That's what made him so cheeky. His name yes. was freaking Ed. Ed 209, how could you not? Yeah. So, uh, I, yeah. And I, mean, I, and I did not like the smaller humanoid ones, the Cylons. Yeah. I didn't care for them. I mean, it's And fine. the flying drones were not Well, even they were used. barely present, so they're, yeah. I know, but you remember the marketing campaign at the beginning of this thing? Oh, yeah. Where they, were like, went through all the various... Quit yeah, different versions of <laughs> robots and stuff that they made. Yeah, yeah, they made kind of they kind of made kind of a big stink about the flying drones at the beginning. But yeah, then nothing. Yeah, whatever. Um. So so yeah, RoboCop. You know, interesting. Would have been better if it were R. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's that's another big criticism I've seen leveled against it yep. is that you know the thing everyone remembers from the original is that Hor really over the top horrific the violence. Horrific violence. Yeah, and you certainly don't get any of that. I mean, I would have enjoyed that because I always enjoy that, but I also feel like <coughs> that just sort of wasn't the movie they were making. No, um, it wasn't. It just, and to a certain degree, it almost it might have almost felt out of place. Yeah, um, within it, within yeah. the move within the movie they made, it, you know, if there had been really crazy intense violence uh, with you know lots of rubber, you know, practical exp blood flying everywhere and stuff like that might that might have felt weird yeah. in this movie. But yeah, I mean, that's certainly one of my favorite things about the first one, so I wouldn't have been upset if it had been there. I think that's probably the reason why you like the first one so much. It's not because 
I mean, not not the gore for its own sake, yeah. but because they didn't leave anything. It, it's all it's all out there on the field. They leave it all on the table. Yeah, yeah you know, they didn't hold. You can tell they didn't hold anything back. That movie is everything that it's trying to. be. Exactly. Um, it wasn't like well. Let's, I mean, let's I tone it down a little bit. Yeah, guys. no, I think RoboCop might be the pinnacle of like eighties ultra violence. I mean, where it was just sort of anything goes, and everything was done practically. I mean, yeah. come on, fucking mutant man at the end. Oh who God, falls I love and it. Gets the toxic waste and then gets run over by a car and instantly liquidated. Yeah, the guy who went on to play a doctor on ER who was killed when a helicopter fell on him. Really? Like, yes. He was the asshole surgeon on ER that nobody liked, and then once they lost a bunch of the original cast members, they sort of made him a permanent cast member, and they turned him into a somewhat more likable guy. His main storyline was that he was on a helicopter and involved in some kind of helicopter accident, and traumatized i think he may have even like lost an arm or something gain a tentacle and sadly no that would have made er way more awesome (laughs) and then he like was he was literally (coughs) traumatized and shell-shocked and there's his his like last scene on the show is he goes out onto the roof where there's a helicopter like dropping off a patient or picking up a patient and he sees the helicopter and he like freaks the fuck out and he immediately like runs off the roof he takes the elevator down to the ground floor he walks out the front steps and while all that's happening the helicopter encounters some sort of air like you know uh physical malfunction and and it falls it falls out of the sky he steps out the front door lights a cigarette looks up and the fucking helicopter falls on him wow superman would be angry right it's a I, I feel like that's one of those things that people had sort of forgotten about maybe i'm wrong but like holy shit that actually happened on on a like marquee network drama they dropped they just like well they you're dropped done. a helicopter on a man you're done yeah <laughs> clean out your desk what here's fuck? your helicopter what the fuck <coughs> uh so Let's so let's, so okay. If we're we're done with RoboCop. I think we're done with RoboCop now. I think so. So let's uh, we'll, let's change gears a little bit. Uh, let's let's talk about some some I, goings on. I want to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy. Let's talk about Guardians of the Galaxy all day forever. Holy fuck! That trailer is wonderful. When I when I saw the the before the actual trailer was aired, and they just had the like. It was 20 or 30 seconds only. Yeah. I was yeah, like, there was a uh, preview for the preview, which, which is, is which always is, dumb. Which is stupid. I had no idea the the actual trailer was coming. But anyway, I was like, oh, uh, great. I thought it was just, it just didn't look like much. And then when the actual trailer came out, I saw it the following day. And I was like, let's watch that again. Yeah. No, it's, it's so different from the rest. I mean, look, this is the point where Marvel gets fucking weird. Yeah, I mean, this is a movie with a machine gun toting space raccoon voice by Bradley Cooper. Yes, and a and his walking houseplant tree person <coughs> voiced by Vin, Vin Diesel, Diesel, who literally he has one line in the whole movie. Oh, really? He's he's one of those. Uh, you, do you watch Game of Thrones? I don't remember. No. if you watch. Okay, so there's a, there's a character in Game of Thrones named Hodor, and okay. all he's like a. You know, he's a simpleton, so all he ever says is Hodor. That's the one word he says. So, oh. I mean, he'll say, Hodor, 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 Hodor. Like, he'll he'll just, he imbues the word with whatever emotion of whatever's happening. Like, but Malkovich, Malkovich, Malkovich? Yeah, exactly. It's exactly. It's Malkovich, Malkovich, Malkovich. He right. only ever says one word. Groot only ever says, I think he only ever says, I am Groot. 
Oh. That's like the only, I mean, he says it differently throughout the movie, but he, that is his single line of dialogue. Oh. Um, so like I said, this is the point where Marvel gets fucking weird. And I love it! I love it too, because it's so silly. And the thing is that it's, even in the trailer, it's not, not trying to be serious. No, and you know what? A lot of that part, a lot of that trailer is not in the movie. When John C. Riley's sort of running through their uh, individual rap sheets, that was made. So this trailer actually uh, played at Comic Con last summer. Mm. Um, they've, from what I understand, uh, they it's it's essentially the same footage, but uh, with a few additions and some of it sort of cleaned up and it looks a lot better. Okay. Um, but the structure is exactly the same. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Did it have the awesome music cue? Yes. Um, and the music is actually important, and I'll tell you why in a second. Um, but uh, the, all of the John C. Riley talking to uh, Peter Serafinowicz, like that's stuff that they literally shot for this trailer, essentially, and for Comic Con. Um, so that, to give you an introduction to all of these characters, well, because they, they need to, because exactly, it's not like they're not famous characters. Your average Marvel fan, even not going to know. I mean, well, yeah, a serious Marvel fan will, will know that stuff, but the Marvel movie fans, the like comic right. fans know that, but Marvel movie fans don't yeah. know who these fucking people are. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, so you I, have to introduce all these characters. I mean, I didn't know, and I like comic books. Yeah. Um, uh, comics. So, so, that, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's a beautifully structured trailer. That amazing music you hooked on a feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I, one of the, uh, sort of main things uh, about Chris Pratt's character, uh, Peter Quill, yes. is that he is, his whole thing is that he's like a big child of the 80s. Who, oh. it was like an astronaut and like lost in space. He's like lost on the other side of the galaxy and sort of making do as, you know, improv and sort of trying to, fit, you know, take care of himself on the far end, far edge of the galaxy. Yeah. Um, but he's a, he's a big child of the 80s. And, like, his one personal possession he has with him is a Walkman. Like, a Walkman with a tape in it. Like, a cassette player. Oh. Uh, and you see, like, he's got yeah. the old-style headphones on, yeah. and one of the soldiers has it, and he's, like, the he gets guards has yeah. it, and he argues with him, stuff. Like, he literally, that's, like, his one possession is a Walkman with a cassette tape. Huh. Um, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah that, <laughs> I mean, yeah. But yeah, no, I I love. I mean, I love that we're getting a big, weird outer space movie and fun. It's going yeah. to be fun. It's going to be so much fun. Um, did you you saw the Thor right? I saw it. With, did I not see it with you? No, no. I was gonna come meet you and I didn't right, make right, it. right, 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 right. Um, but the scene at the end uh, with, with the collector, with yeah, with the collector. Yeah. I mean, Brigio del Toro as they've described him as space Liberace. That's. I mean, yes, please. More. More of that, please. Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't even know where that's going. Yeah, but I love it. You yeah. get a very brief glimpse of him. You also get a very brief glimpse of uh, uh, Karen Gillan from uh, Doctor Who. She's sort of the blue-skinned yep. alien with no hair. Uh, Nova. No. Slate uh, on her head? No, no, they're the Nova Core. What is, what is her name? Her name is... Uh, I read it on something. Thing, yeah, I I've, 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 I've forgotten. Let's do our due diligence one more time. Uh, Karen Gillan appears in Guardians of the Galaxy as Nebula. I was going to say, no, I thought it was Nebula. Nebula. Um, and the other person who's in that movie that we haven't seen yet is... Uh, the Glenn, villain? Glenn, well, no, Glenn Close. What? Glenn Close is in that movie as John C. Riley's <coughs> boss. Oh. She's like the head of the Nova Corps. Oh. Um, 
Well, that'll be fun. Yeah, that'll be really fun. Uh, there are, so, uh, I think the villain of this movie is um, Lee Pace. Lee Pace is playing the villain. Yeah. Lee Pace, who, who you may remember, as the asshole uh, elf from the Desolation of Smaug. Oh, yes. Uh, Legolas's papa. Oh, yes. Um, he's, he's playing... Uh, He's playing the villain uh, Ronan the Accuser, I think That's, is his that name. That sounds right, yeah. Um, and uh, obviously sort of the big connecting tissue between Guardians and Avengers and the Marvel characters we've seen is that the, a lot of the Guardians are directly connected to Thanos. Right. Um, who has been set up as sort of the villain for Avengers 3, way, right. way on down the line. Right. Avengers 2, filming right now as we speak uh, in South Africa, I believe. Um, Ain't that some shit? So, so yeah, all sorts of all sorts of interesting stuff going on. Um, I'm I'm loving I'm loving what Marvel's doing on every level. Uh, Captain America hits in April, I believe. Couple couple months. I'm really looking, really excited I'm about it. I think it looks outstanding. So the other big comic book news that's gone down. Uh, I mean, plenty of it has gone down since we last recorded, but particularly this week, uh, Fantastic Four. They've oh, cast that's the Fantastic right. yes. Four. I saw that. Um, Thoughts? What are your What are your thoughts? I don't know anything about any of those people. I was gonna say. I mean, are you familiar with any of those actors? No. Um, have you seen? Well, that's good. Yeah, that's great. I'm okay with that, right? But I actually, so I actually, I'm I'm fairly familiar with most with most of those actors. Um, uh, Miles Teller is wonderful. Uh, I mean, in general, so in general, the criticism seems to be they're all very young. And that's, certainly, that's okay. Yeah, well, certainly compared to the last iteration of Fantastic Four, like those guys. I mean, you know, Michael Chiklis is not a young guy. You no. know, these that was certainly the grown, more sort of grown up version. Um, but even, but these, you know, these folks are not as young as they appear. I think. I mean, yeah. Miles Teller is the youngest of the group. I think he's like twenty six. Uh. So I think the idea is that they can play young and they can be sort of mid late twenties and right. sort of age. If they can get, you know, turn this into a legit franchise that they can sort of age through a franchise, you know? Sure. So they're not going to suddenly be 40 in the third movie kind of thing, you know? Right. Um, but no, Miles Teller is, is wonderful. He is uh, extremely funny, but he is also uh, just got this sort of in, wonderful innate Who charm he? to him. He's playing Reed Richards, Mr. Fantastic. Okay. Um, he's really blue the doors off of my brain in uh, The Spectacular Now uh, earlier this year. It's oh. one of my favorite movies that I saw uh, last year and really over the course of this project it's it's wonderful um, where he plays this sort of high school alcoholic and but it's all played very lightly oh. um, and it's it's he's he's excellent um, and of course I love Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan as Human Torch and he was sort of the first name that was sort of floated out there um, Michael B. Jordan from uh, Friday Night Lights, the later seasons of Friday Night Lights, um, but he was also in Chronicle uh, for dire director Josh Trank, who's also doing Fantastic Four. So that was sort of the logical leap that he was going to bring Michael B. Jordan with him. Uh, Chronicle is probably my favorite found footage movie ever, um, because not only just in the way that they execute found the conceit of found footage, but also just because it's a really fucking good movie. Um, it's and it's essentially it, it, people with superpowers. That, I mean, I'm already on board with that conceit, you know? Yeah. Um, but, man, Michael B. Jordan, that kid just, just <coughs> fucking exudes confidence and charisma. Um, 
so I'm really excited to see him as Johnny Storm. There is a lot of weird internet fanboy racist backlash shit um, because Johnny Storm has never been in a comic, has never been black. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't care. Who's He's an incredible Steve? actor. Uh, Kate Mara, who's not black, she's white. Um, which so their adopted siblings seems to be the the thing, and that's fine. Like I don't fine. care about that either. Yeah. Like the fact that they are g- genetic. Uh, siblings was never important to the story. It so never, it never. No. So I don't care about that. No, I mean, um, if they have the emotional the right connection, pe- who cares? It reminds me of. Um, uh, so you, you do you watch Parks and Rec? I don't know if you watch. You should watch Parks and Rec. I've, I mean, I, I, I've, like, you're I've familiar never, with the character like of Ron never, Swanson because you've been on the internet. Well, I've, no, because I've been in, on the planet. Well, yes. Um, you should watch it. It's really the first season. It, it takes a season for them to find their footing, and from that point on, it's pretty great. Yeah. Um, but uh, they, Amy Poehler is obviously not just the star, but she does a lot of writing and producing as yeah. well. Yeah. And they have adopted this sort of policy that they sort of joking, semi jokingly refer to as the Polar Doctrine, which is um, get the best people, get the funniest people, and you can and we'll make it work basically mm-hmm. so the best example of that is like midway through the show they had uh they'd written this character of a local Pawnee police officer mm-hmm. that she was gonna start dating and he was supposed to be this sort of like good looking hunky but kind of simple cop yeah and they brought in louis ck yeah. Who is not good-looking and hunky guy. Like, no. he does not fit that stereotype. No, he doesn't. But they brought him in, and he read, and he was funny, and they he had, a, like, an interesting spin on it. And they said, yeah, look, I mean, they were like, look, we love him, but he's not really the character as written. And Amy Poehler said, I don't care. He's funny. You know, we, we get the funniest people we can, and, you know, we'll, and we'll figure it out from there. Yeah, and that's a that's a great policy. I mean, and that's how I see Michael B. Jordan being in this movie. He's an incredible actor. He's he fits the character of Johnny Storm to a T. I don't care if he's fucking Native American, you know. Like, there's no there's no reason for that. Yeah, it, it, all that matters is that he's going to play that character well. That he is great on screen. Everything else is immaterial, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like Kate Mara. I've always really liked Kate Mara. <coughs> she's someone who I've always kind of wanted to see get get a break. Um, her sister, Rooney Mara, has sort of, you know, Kate Mara's been around for quite some time, and her sister, Rooney, really took off a lot faster. She had a nice little role in The Social Network. She was is the, uh, Zuckerberg's ex-girlfriend in The Social Network. Yeah. And then she was in The Girl with Dragon Tattoo and uh, Soderbergh's uh, drug movie and a couple other things. Um I really, I've always really, really liked Kate Mara, and she's never really had a big role that's allowed her to pop. So, I, I mean, I have nothing but, I hope nothing but the best for her. I really hope this sort of works for her. Um, I think I think she's been around long enough. I think she's put in her time. I think she's earned it. Um, Jamie Bell, as Ben Grimm the Thing, is the weird kind of outlier there. Um, Why? Well, I mean, he shouldn't be. You think of you know, Michael Chiklis played the Thing. Yeah. Because when you look at Michael Chiklis, you go, oh, yeah, he kind of looks like a guy who could be a big hulking rock man. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so you inherently want to bring that 
for this casting as well. And right. Jamie Bell is a skinny fucking kid, you know? Um, well, how does the thing become the thing? Do you remember? So they all get their powers because oh, that's right. they in go space. into space and that's cosmic right. rays yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, that's right. um, and they all just manifest in different ways. Yeah. But I don't think... So, you know, with Michael Chiklis, that made sense because they were they put him in a suit. You know, that was a practical effect where he had to kind of inhabit that physically. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're going to do that this time. I mean, I think it's going to be CG and I think it's probably going to be motion capture, which yeah. is why Jamie Bell is actually a really smart choice because he played Tintin in the motion captured Steven Spielberg's motion captured Tintin movie. Oh. Uh, and not only did he, was he the main character of a giant budget Spielberg motion capture movie, but he also was working alongside Andy Serkis, who mm. is the guy in motion capture. So, I mean, that, for some, if, if that's how you're going to execute that character, Jamie Bell is a great... I mean, and he's a good actor regardless, you know? Yeah. So, like, I'm, I'm always happy to see him in a movie, but, I mean, he actually feels like a really smart choice for that, to execute that kind of a character. Who? Which studio? So, this is one of those... Is it Sony? No, it's Fox. It's so, Fox. So, this is one of those weird uh, Marvel... Um, yeah, so uh, Fox owns the rights to X Men and Fantastic, Fantastic Four. Four. They own they own Daredevil. They let Daredevil go back. So Marvel's doing Daredevil as a series for Netflix now. Um, but yeah, Fo Fantastic Four and uh, and X Men both belong to Fox. There, I mean, it'll still have a Marvel banner in front of it because right. Marvel still has rights to the character, but it is produced by Fox. So, yeah. and that's what, and it's, again, it's one of those things where it's like, they have to make a movie every X number of years or else the rights revert back to Marvel. So, um, so, so, so Wait, would know. you prefer if all the Marvel properties went back to Marvel? I wouldn't have a problem with it. I mean, in a way, I think it might even be a blessing in disguise that some of these characters are with other studios because if Marvel was in charge of producing... The entire Marvel Universe. X-Men movies and Spider-Man movies. I feel like... I feel like the fact that they don't have to actually be super actively involved in those productions mm -hmm. is what's allowed them okay. to really focus on the Avengers characters and this whole Phase 1, Phase 2, Phase 3 structure. Yeah. You know, like... Because characters like, I mean, the X-Men have sort of come and gone, but like Spider-Man's been an Avenger from time to time. Like, letting those exist well, as I mean, separate properties, um, and especially well, while they're not so being was, horribly but, butchered. But so was Wolverine. No, Wolverine's been an Avenger, for sure. Um, but like, let, letting other studios kind of take that weight, I think, is what's allowed them to really focus in on, on the, ones the that movies that they... Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we'd be getting a Guardians of the Galaxy movie yeah. if they had to also make Spider-Man movies. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I, we're probably going to get a... We're getting an Ant-Man movie. I don't, we're also probably going to get a Doctor Strange movie. Mm. Like, the fact that other studios are footing the bill for some, some of these of the, marquee some characters. Of the big characters let them yeah, the little guys. Allows Marvel to get weird. And I love that they're getting weird, you know? Yeah. So I I, I, I hope it pans out yeah. for them. I really do. Yeah, I, I, I we, do too. We do I mean it's cause they owe and it, it makes you realize how many important just in, I mean just in, even in terms of money. Yeah. How many important characters they uh, they own. Yeah, oh absolutely. No, it's insane. It's absolutely bonkers. I mean, you know, the Hulk is a 
he'll appear in an Avengers movie, and he probably won't appear in another movie for, you know, a couple years, if at all. That's okay. Yeah. We don't need any more Hulk There's no Hulk fun. movie in development That's anytime fun. soon. That's if okay. he showed up in, I don't even think, I think Phase 3 is pretty much plotted out at this point, so um, I don't think it's technically announced and formalized, but I don't, I mean, it, Phase 4, if that, you know, which they haven't really done any, yeah. said anything about yet, so... Um, but I don't think they have the, I mean, I don't think they have any of the Avengers guys contracted past phase three, past Avengers three. So yeah, we'll see what happens after that. The only other character in event in Fantastic Four that hasn't been announced as the villain. I was just about to ask that. Actually, I think we I all know. assume it's going to be Doc- Victor Von Doom. It's going to be Dr. Doom. Dr. Doom. Um, he's, he's their main guy. Um, yeah. there's, I think I, I've heard some rumors that they might gender swap it, that they might make doom a woman which yeah. would be cool um, okay i i don't again i don't think there's anything intrinsically that it has to be a guy so no. i i'd be okay with that yeah um i'd be i'm more curious to see how they again how they execute that character because doom julian mcmahon's dr doom with the giant metal like i i i, I caught some of that movie on tv again the other day and yeah. it's so frustrating because his mutation is that, you know, his, his mutation from being in space is that he becomes a sort of metal person. Yeah. And you literally see him gradually, like, his skin is peeling away and there's metal underneath. So I got all excited for him to have, like, a metal face that could just, you know, have expression and emotion. Yeah. And instead, he chooses to put this sort of ceremonial steel mask over his face so that he talks and nothing moves on his face and... And it's, it's, it's like Spider-Man. Yeah, exactly. All it's Green Goblin. It's the first again. it's Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin, you know. It's just yep. a mask and it doesn't do it hides all of his emotion. It's it's unfortunate. Yep. So I'm I'm curious to see how they'll execute that character. Mm-hmm. Um I think uh what I'm going to sort of assume at this point, especially now that we sort of we see who they are who they're going with with the Fantastic 4 and that none of them are big names, yeah. um that I think they'll go with a big name for the villain. Oh. Okay. Um, which would which would make me even more curious if they really if they really do gender swap if they really go with a woman who who it would be, um, but I th- I think they're going to go with a bankable a seriously bankable name for a villain. Um, that seems it's you know it's the old uh, Donald Sutherland animal yeah, house yeah. routine. Here, here's a question that I'm asking for based on no information. Mm. Any any possibility of an X Men Fantastic Four overlap? I you mean, know it's interesting. So, because they've got two. Yeah. So not necessarily. Um, what Fox has done now. So everybody wants to jump on this whole shared universe bandwagon. Yeah. Right. Uh, DC, the next Spider-Man, or the next uh, Superman movie will also include Batman and Wonder Woman and a couple of other characters. Well, DC I'm doesn't sure. have any problems, right? Because all the DC properties. Yeah, they are, all belong to Warner Brothers, yeah. so they can do whatever the fuck they want, basically. Yeah. Um, but you know the next. Move, Superman movie is, you know, theoretically it's just a sequel to Superman, but it ostensibly feels like a warm-up to Justice League, you right, know? Right, right. Um, I think Aquaman even appears in oh. a very limited capacity. <laughs> Great, oh, right? A watery capacity. Yeah. Um, what, what Fox <laughs> has done is uh, they have hired Mark Millar to be sort of the shepherd of their comic book movies. Um, okay. Who you know, Mark Millar, he's the guy behind Kick Ass. Yeah. Um, but he, you know, he's also in, has been involved. He was involved in uh, X Men First Class. Right. Um, and uh, and and he's in producing 
to some degree on Fantastic Four. So he is, is sort he of involved. The, is he involved with the Days of Future Past? Yeah, yeah, he's got some. He's got some role on that as okay. well. Um, so he's he's sort of the guy that Fox has said, "You're our comic book guy. You're going to be sort of in charge of us." So it 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 certainly lends itself to the could cross over. I mean, I think that's sort of in Fox's purview. I, I don't know if they will. Um, well, because what made me think of it was uh, when you were talking about the mask problem. Mm. And I was thinking about the thing. Mm. Because, you know, earlier on, the thing is the thing. And yeah. then later on, the thing has an iron bucket on his head because... That does happen, yeah. Because Wolverine cuts his face up. Yeah. And, well, there it is. Yeah, I don't... I mean, I don't I don't know. I'd be surprised if they went that route. Um if for no other reason than so they you know they've already announced that they'll do they're going to do another X Men movie after this uh, apocalypse. Of course they are. But what I've they're heard, not going to stop. Yeah, well, but what I've heard though is that um, even though we're seeing some of the previous sort of present day uh, X Men characters actors appearing in Days of Future Past, you yeah, know, Halle Berry back as Storm yeah. and you know Ian McKellen and Patrick right. Stewart, um, that I, I I don't know how much how much they're actually going to be in this movie. Like, right. obviously they'll be at the beginning and I'm sure they'll be in the end or whatever. But my understanding is that this movie is primarily the first class, the 70, the, well, there was 60s in this movie. It's 70s era mm -hmm. um, characters. It's really their movie. And, and my understanding, and Wolverine is the crossover guy, basically. Yeah. Um, my understanding is that that will also continue into Apocalypse. And Apocalypse is a first-class era movie and not a not with a lot of present-day characters okay um i'm sure I mean, that this movie a good will choice. i mean they're not young anymore no exactly no i mean i'm sure this movie will probably end with sort of you know the door open to bringing in patrick stewart if they want to mm -hmm. um but uh but my understanding is that apocalypse is going to be you know another period movie which is why i wouldn't suspect we'd see a x-men uh, Fantastic Four crossover because I think they're going to keep the X Men rooted in the past primarily for a little while. Yeah. Whereas Fantastic Four will not be. Right. That makes sense. So we gotta talk about your big show. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Thank you for not making me say it uh, Wait, like a pompous dick. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know what a pompous dick is. It's a, it's a pompous dick. Anyway, um, this Billy's big show is coming up. Exactly. So uh, I have. I'm, I'm reaching the end of my one-year project. I gave myself a deadline. It was one year. Watch a movie I've never seen every day for one year. I'm reaching the end. I started on my 30th birthday, my 31st birthday, February 28th, coming right up. So I'm coming up to my deadline. It's time to have a fucking party. Uh, so I will be hosting a big double feature screening event at the Brattle Theater in Cambridge. They have been very generous to me and uh, allowed me to sort of... Uh, go crazy for a night uh, at the Brattle. Gee, Mike, when is it? It's March 1st. Saturday night, March 1st. So technically my 365th screening will be on the 28th on my birthday because I started on March 1st last year. Um, but March 1st is a Saturday this year and I felt like a Saturday was better suited to having a double screening big party night out. Uh, it sure is, Mike. Indeed it is. So Saturday night, March 1st, Starting at 7 o'clock at the Brattle Theater, we'll be showing Aliens, which I have seen before, actually, uh, but it was a big inspiration for starting this project in the first place. Um, following Aliens, there'll be uh, 
live music uh, from my old college acapella group, Noteworthy, the current iteration of them. Uh, they're going to sing some some movie-related songs, uh, one of which in particular is amazing. Loose, loosely. <laughs> well, yeah, one of which is title-related only, but one of them is a movie theme, and it's amazing. Um, I'm going to do host some tr movie themed trivia, uh, trivia based on some movies I've watched, um, and I'll give away some, some fun prizes, uh, and, uh, I've also got some fun trailers and stuff I'm gonna play, uh, it's, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a good time. How much does it cost, Mike? Twelve dollars! Twelve American dollars will get you two movies, and if you are a Brattle member, or if you are a student, and you have a student ID, it's only ten dollars. Ten dollars! Two movies. Twelve dollars, two movies. Any way you slice it, that's a fucking deal. It is a fucking deal. And I gotta say, I'm really excited to see aliens in a theater with yes, people. Indeed. And it's a brand new DCP print. They just they did a it, the 35th anniversary of the first alien is this year. Uh, it came out in the summer, I think. So mm. um, they've done a brand new DC. This is not the first one, this is the second one. This is Cameron's Aliens. Um, but they, it's a brand this, new this DCP is the, print. This is the one that you're thinking of. Exactly. It's it's gonna be a Good goddamn time. Blu-ray um, that is so beautiful. I know. I own it. That's why I am. That's why I want to show it. So, oh, so, so it's going to be great if you if you're in the Boston area Saturday night, March first. We want to pack this house. Yeah. We want to thank the Braddle for being exactly. awesome. They're they're unbelievable. And you you can meet us and indeed he'll if sign been, your poster. Indeed, I've got posters and shit. So uh, so so come on up to the Braddle Saturday night, March first. The daily feature. Double the daily feature double screening. <laughs> Keep let's, trying. Let's try that one more time. The daily screening double feature. What's going on after the big show in terms of this podcast? Ah, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, so we will be. Uh, I, I am still sort of evaluating what's going to happen when my year is over. Um, I've obviously I have you've been following along. Uh, I have not written up all of the movies I have watched. I have quite a bit of gap, in fact. Um, so I'm going to continue writing them up uh, in the in the weeks following uh, my last screening. Um, I I am determined to write up all 365 movies to some degree. Um, but uh, the podcast has been so much fun. I've had so much fun doing this. I uh, also, indeed. As, as have you, uh, we are going to be doing the podcast regularly. Uh, this is this is a firm a firm promise. This is this is happening. We plan to do a weekly podcast. Um, I think the I like the kind of format we've built up where yeah. uh, we pick a movie and we can talk about one movie and then we can talk about sort of what's what's been going on headlines of the week or whatever. Um, <coughs> and. Uh, uh, we've got, uh, I, I think we'll try and stick with more recent movies, I think. Um, people seem to be drawn more to the more recent movies. Yeah, they certainly but, get more hits. But I, exactly. But I, but I also like the throwbacks, too, so we should, we should definitely do some throwbacks in those slower months where there's not a lot of stuff coming out. Yeah. Um, um, but in, in, and in that vein, uh, I think we're going to try and squeeze one more, at least one more podcast out before my deadline. Uh, this Sunday, uh, we're going to be watching Jaws. Uh, one of my wife's favorite movies, uh, and I've been saving this one for the for near the end. I wanted this to be one of my big ones at the end, so uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, so hopefully, did you eat? Did you did you get the the Jaws like small Jaws reference in RoboCop today? Which one? We're gonna need a bigger jail. Oh yes, that's true. There, there it was in there, and it made Jaws me show. think he still hasn't seen Jaws. <laughs> 
Uh, it's one of my wife's favorite movies. Uh, Jamie hopefully will join us uh, for the podcast after that. Uh, and uh, my friend uh, Jeff, who helped me write up uh, The Train and Monuments Men. Uh, it's also one of his favorites, so he will probably join us as well. Um, so so we're looking forward to that. And hopefully you can look forward to uh, a podcast episode every week uh, starting in probably in March. Um, hopefully when I'm not coughing indeed uncontrollably in the background indeed uh and i'd also you know hopefully we can actually kind of set an agenda so people can sort of can, watch along and we'll, yeah we can pick a movie the week before so people know what to watch so that we can you know, make a bet out of it make a do a we'll make a whole fucking show out of it maybe i'll even pick some hey why not that be some shit yeah you sh- you i think you've earned it sir uh, i think i have uh so uh that that just about wraps it up for the night uh bartholomew yes sir any any closing thoughts? Any closing words of wisdom? Well, we didn't. We didn't actually come down anywhere on RoboCop. You mean like a final, like thumbs up, thumbs down? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can, can I say my thumb is three quarters up? I guess. I mean, it's not RoboCop, but what is? Yeah, RoboCop. It's not RoboCop. It's just kind of. Robocop. Indeed. So uh, thank thank you for listening. Uh, I've had fun. I certainly hope you guys have too. Uh, as always, you can uh, follow along on the blog, dailyscreening.com, uh, or you can find me on the Twitters, uh, at Daily Screening, and Bart continues to be a <laughs> phantom. <laughs> phantom of the internet. Phantom um, of sickly coughing. Indeed. Uh, <coughs> my name is Daily. This is the Daily Screening. Thank you for listening.